and welcome to the podcast for the journal Integrated Environmental Assessment and Management, better known as IEAM. I'm Jenny Shaw. The April 2013 issue contains a series of articles that resulted from a CTAC Special Science Symposium on Ecosystem Services held in 2012 in Brussels, Belgium. We're joined today by the authors of one of the papers in the series, Drs. Valerie Forbes and Peter Kahlo. They are both at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, where Peter is a professor in the Office of Research and Economic Development, and Valerie is a professor and the director of the School of Biological Sciences. Thank you both for being here today. Hey, Jenny. Thanks for inviting us. Hello, Jenny. Valerie, would you start by describing the ecosystem services concept and explain how it's being applied in ecological risk assessments? Yes. Basically, ecosystem services are all those things that ecosystems do for us, many of which we don't pay for, and um, many of which we do depend upon for our survival. So certain ecosystem services, we're used to trading in markets like food and fuel, but others such as provision of clean water and soil fertility are things that we're not used to putting values on. And the ecosystem services framework is an attempt to put values on those services so that they can inform decision making. Interesting. So it's a much more human centric view of looking at the ecosystem. Absolutely. And that's really the whole point of it is that it makes one articulate what is it about ecosystems that we need and want to protect as humans. And and frankly, some people have criticized the concept for being very anthropocentric. I think it's one of its strengths. And I think it particularly helps non-scientists appreciate what it is that ecosystems do for me. And if nothing else, it seems to be a very effective communication tool. Thank you for that, Val. Very insightful. So in the paper, you and Peter propose a multifaceted approach for incorporating ecosystem services into ecological risk assessments. Can you explain these and how these approaches will support the overall framework? Well, basically what we're proposing is, how I think of it, is a series of three coupled sets of models. So at the one end, we have what we're calling mechanistic effect models, which will help us to link what we measure in ecological risk assessment, that is effects on individual organisms, to effects on ecologically relevant endpoints like population size and persistence. That's one set of models, but then we still have to link the outputs of those models, that is impacts on populations, to the delivery of ecosystem services, and we're calling those the ecological production functions. So they'll basically, there'll be models that will link the properties of populations and groups of populations to the delivery of an ecosystem service. So if you take a simple example like pollination, bee populations are providing that service of pollination. So what we need to be able to do is develop models that can link the key properties of bee populations to the delivery of that service of pollination. Then the third set of what we're calling models are really valuation models or methods that are developed by socioeconomists. And those types of models put values on the ecosystem services so that you can begin to put them all together, look at trade-offs among them, and use it, use them as a basis for decision making. 
Thank you, Valerie. Peter, I just want to back up a bit and ask, how does one actually assign value to an ecosystem service? Could you describe the general process? Sure. I mean, the, the whole aim of the ecosystem services approach is to connect ecological entities and processes to things that matter and are valued. And Valerie has already described this to some extent. How do you do it? How do you put values on these things? This is obviously straightforward for entities, as Valerie said, that are traded in, in markets, fish for food uh, and lumber for construction, and even entities that influence soil quality, that in turn influence agricultural productivity and the agricultural products that are traded. But uh, as Valerie also pointed out, not all things we value in ecosystems are traded. And you can think of things like using ecosystems recreationally, uh, walk in the in the woods, or just knowing that some ecosystems like tropical forests exist. In these cases, where there are no markets, economists find out our values through surveys and behavioral experiments and in terms of what we're willing to pay for the, the services. All values, though, uh, are dependent upon socioeconomic circumstances, so they change with, with time, with place and with context. And this raises then the question of whose value should we use in valuation in ecosystem services. And I think the most important point here is that they should be representative of the group affected. Most market values are supposed to be representative in this way through the trades we make in markets. And economists hope to get unbiased samples from the surveys that they do so that the willingness to pay um, estimates are indeed reflective of, of those uh, affected by either the impact and or the, the intervention. So there are challenges here with, with valuation, but I think it's important to underline that valuation is, is a way of transparently quantifying public preferences, and this ought to be a good basis for policy decisions. So my view is that valuation, though challenging, is worth the effort. Thanks for that, Peter. Could you speak to how the US EPA might go about incorporating this approach into their risk assessments? I think a lot of our listeners are accustomed to seeing separate assessments conducted for Superfund and NRDA at the same site, but with vastly different outcomes. So, so you appreciate that I can't speak for the US EPA. Um, but my understanding is that there is a lot of concern about the disconnect between the Superfund eras, the environmental ecological risk assessment that essentially emphasize impacts and their causes, and the NRDAs, the natural resource damage assessments, which are essentially about valuation in order to put costs on interventions. These valuations inevitably involve judgments. They're generally the judgments of experts, and this might mean that they're not representative of all the values of all the people affected in the way that I, I described earlier. So, so there, there's a, a challenge here. Ecosystem services have the potential, at least, for making a more seamless connection between impact 
and valued service through the kind of methodology that Valerie described earlier. That said, ecosystem services, working them out, is non-trivial. So there's quite a bit of effort going into developing methods that oil the wheels, as it were, by focusing on standardized endpoints and by looking for generic links to services. And one potential here is to use biodiversity because impacts on biodiversity are linked, sometimes in complex ways, it has to be said, but are linked to service delivery. As Valerie mentioned, we are developing another approach, which I think is complementary, and that is to develop quantitative models at a species or multi-species level, which make quantitative links between impact and valued outputs. In all cases, what we have in the end are value-relevant outputs, things like impacts on fisheries, impacts on agricultural production, impact on habitat structure, and still we need to associate a quantitative monetary value with them. And that, as I mentioned there earlier, again is demanding. So there's going to be a temptation to use values that are already in the literature for this purpose. And that, I think, brings with it some cause for caution given that values are sensitive, as I mentioned earlier, to socio-economic circumstances. Having said all this, though, once you've got these endpoints into the same quantitative monetary terms, it becomes much easier to think about aggregating um, things across different stresses or across ecological entities. And that, again, is often a complication and a challenge for the Superfund activity, which I think ecosystem services may well be able to contribute to solving. Sure. Thank you, Peter. Thank you. And do you feel that between the U.S. and the, the EU, I know that you couldn't speak quite as much to US EPA, but between the two, do you feel that either region is better poised to inc further incorporate ecosystem services? I, I think both regions are actually developing the methodology. It's putting that methodology into practice, which is going to be the, the challenge, and I, I think it's going to be the challenge for both regions. In both circumstances, I think we have to persuade those using the system, in other words, the regulators in Europe, the US EPA here, that um, the effort is going to be worthwhile. And if I could add to that, I think the challenges are somewhat different in that in the US, risk assessment is very much, it seems to me, dominated by Superfund type risk assessments and the issues with those site-specific cases, whereas in the EU, the risk assessments are much more dominated by um, things like REACH um, or the pesticide regulations. So these are not site-specific, more prospective, generalized risk assessments, and so the challenges are somewhat different. But it seems to me that neither jurisdiction, either the EU or the U.S., 
is currently using the approach to its fullest potential. Well, and we certainly hope that this series of papers will inform practitioners on how to apply the ecosystem services approach to environmental management and policymaking. Thank you both so much for being here today. You're very welcome. Pleasure. You've been listening to Valerie Forbes and Peter Kahlo discuss their article, Use of the Ecosystem Services Concept in Ecological Risk Assessment of Chemicals. Access the article in the April 2013 issue of IEAM, along with the other articles in the special series, CTAC Special Science Symposium on Ecosystem Services. Just go to ctacjournals.org. I'm Jenny Shaw, and thank you for listening to the IEAM podcast.